Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to a brand new series of Hooked On with me, Fanula J. It's great to be back chatting with you again. Over the next few weeks on the podcast, we'll be focusing on the Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival. Now, due to the global pandemic, all screenings and festival workshops have moved online. But that hasn't stopped organisers from putting together another exciting lineup of films that are sure to delight, challenge and entertain audiences. Before we talk to the festival director, Grania Humphreys, about what we can expect from this year's festival when it kicks off on March 3rd, here's a clip from the opening film, Supernova, starring Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth. Can I ask you, did you want one? An autograph? From him? Because I saw you looking at it, I wasn't sure if you wanted one. Tusca? No, it's all right. He's very shy. You normally, do you have a pen on you? But if you want one, he'll sign one for you. He's shy, but he will. On either on a napkin or if you have one of his piano albums, he'll. Thanks. Okay. All right. Thank you. It's very nice of you. Thank you. How did you come to be this person? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know why I do it, because it really isn't even satisfying anymore half the time. Anyway. Uh, so why do you do it? Because of the other half. <laughs> A clip there from Supernova, starring Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth. And as I mentioned before the clip, it is the opening film of this year's Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival. Joining me now to discuss this year's programme is festival director, Grania Humphreys. Grania, thanks for your time. You're very welcome. Nice to meet you. You're no doubt up the walls as the festival edges closer, but I'm curious, do you get any kind of respite from the year before or is it straight into planning for next year, for 2021? Do you have to get your goggles on straight away? It's kind of an odd one, actually, because in a way you're you're conscious that, you know, the festival happens over 12 days and there's the films that, you know, weren't ready or weren't finished in time for one year. Um, and you immediately start wondering whether or not there's a possibility that they'll be able to make the following year. But for the most part, I probably take a bit of, of a month, I suppose, off um, and then you start back into it. Um, now, that's the case in a normal year, Fanula, to be honest. <laughs> it wasn't a normal year last year. Um, and Cannes, for instance, which is normally the kind of starting point, you know, it's where you see a lot of the big films roll out um, from May onwards and you get a sense of the shape of the year and maybe some themes or some kind of recurrent uh, obsessions might even come out. And uh, this year, obviously, 2020 just disintegrated in terms of festivals and cinema exhibition. So we didn't really get a sense, I suppose, of what you know, this year's festival was going to look like until probably around September or October, which is quite late and quite scary, if I'm honest. It's a bit like a tightrope. Um, but when those films started coming in, they came really thick and fast. And we actually watched, I'd say, the vast majority of the films over the last kind of five months. Um, and, and in that sense, it was really interesting 
you know, just to see the, the the kind of wealth of films from all over the world that we were able to, to bring together to, to this year's festival. We mentioned earlier Supernova. It's kicking off the festival this year from writer-director Harry McQueen on March 3rd. Why did you choose this particular film? Um, there's a couple of reasons why Supernova kind of jumped out at me. I mean, one is, is I'm a huge fan of both Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. Um, both of them have visited the festival before. Um, I love both of them. As, as individuals, they're absolutely wonderful, warm, witty. Um, and, and that comes across in their performances in many, many films. But in this film, they play a couple. And it just seemed to me to be a film that resonated with a feeling that I think we're all experiencing, which is that that sense of the importance of relationships, of friendships, um, of not being on your own. Um, it's a debut feature, or it's a, sorry, it's a second feature from Harry McQueen, but he's a very new uh, name to me. I wasn't aware of, of his previous film. And it captured a very beautiful story, uh, as I said, a long-term couple kind of facing an enormous challenge. It's a very simple road story, a road trip. You know, it's just the two of them out against the beautiful Lake District. And it seemed to sum up so many things that were kind of, you know, had become part of my landscape, which is, you know, as I said, the importance of relationships, of feeling connected to other people. Um, and and I suppose kind of that that sense of where we are in the world. And, and I wanted a film that had a huge heart. And I'm not ashamed to say it left me in tears. And I kind of felt like that's a lovely way to start a festival, to kind of bring a big emotional wallop and to kind of set off the festival with a feeling of being connected, no, no matter how far away we feel from each other. I'd like to make a speech. I, uh... Well, maybe, maybe Sam will do it for me. I'd, I'd love to. you do it for yeah, me. Now, as most of you will know, I'm slowly losing my ability to remember. And I definitely wouldn't be here if it weren't for this man next to me. I want to be remembered for who I was, but not for who I'm about to become. Closing the festival, then we have an Irish comedy, Deadly Cuts, starring Angeline Ball. What can you tell us about this? Well, in the same way, it was my immediate response. I mean, I watch about 1,100, 1,200 films throughout the year, and it's really hard to find comedies. I mean, uh, comedies are, are really extremely difficult to find. They're very hard to make, and funny comedies in particular, you know, ones that make you laugh out loud. And that, again, the power of laughter, that idea that you can connect people, you know, you're kind of rocking back and forth. And, and I watched it on my couch, and I just... Loved it. I fell in love with these mad gang of hairdressers who are kind of under threat from a local gangster and the way in which they kind of struggle to keep their business on track. And it's a lovely Irish cast. It's got Angeline Ball as the, the kind of salon owner. It's a debut feature from Rachel Carey. And again, it felt very important to me that, you know, those kind of keystone screenings, the opening and the closing, that you kind of find a way of kind of, you know, connecting with an audience and there's nothing more powerful than laughing um, and so it, for me it was a very easy um, choice also the fact that it would tap into our national obsession with hairdressing seems something that I wanted to, to try and jump on as well 
Absolutely. I think we could all do with a laugh after the year we've had, to say the least. Um, some of the Irish films uh, of note playing at the festival, we have uh, I Never Cry, which looks at the Polish-Irish immigrant experience, and Be Good or Be Gone, that follows two cousins on day release from Mountjoy Prison. Uh, very intriguing. Can you talk to me about um, the other Irish films you've playing this year? Well, both of them are really interesting, as you said. I mean, that you know, I Never Cry is a Polish filmmaker, um, you know, and it it looks at a, a young girl coming to Ireland to um, to follow up on her father and to bring back his his remains back to Poland, and it taps into a secret life that she didn't know about, and it does see Dublin through the eyes of an outsider, um, which you know, to my mind. You know, Dublin doesn't look like it did a year ago. So it, it's really interesting to see, as I said, another person's view of a city that I think I, I know very well. And uh, Be Good or Be Gone, again, kind of makes me smile. Um, one of the things that's been lovely to look at over the last couple of years is the huge rise in independent cinema. You know, films that are made on, you know, uh, credit cards and loans from the credit union. And, and this is a long long gestating project for um, Cahill and Les, uh, the two kind of powerhouses behind it. And it you know, follows these two guys, as I said, on a weekend out of prison and the trouble that they get up to. Uh, another film that we have that, again, I think will have a great resonance is uh, The Boys from County Hell, which is about a, a group of um, builders who are builders, kind of they're, they're kind of construction workers whose kind of building work is, is uh, disrupted by uh, an evil spirit and the havoc that it causes. Uh, it's very funny. It's brilliantly done. Um, I'm not a huge horror horror fan. So this is kind of tempered with humor and a great cast. So, you know, it's lovely to try and celebrate Irish cinema, but also to try and bring the diversity. Uh, we have a lovely Irish documentary um, called To the Moon, which looks at the way in which the moon has been represented through cinema since the very, you know, start, I suppose, of, of cinema and ranges from Japan to Mumbai to Korea. Um, and again, just that sheer diversity and the, the talent that we have uh, is lovely to see. And I'd also include the many, many shorts that we're actually screening as part of the festival as well, where, you know, I thought that lockdown had meant people weren't able to make films. Um, but indeed, we've one project from Trinity, which has 60 different directors there are all the different students in Trinity who've been making this film um, on their own in most cases um, over the last eight months. So, you know, in, in a way, it's, it's, uh, it's been, you know, a very difficult time for so many people. But on the other hand, it's been an opportunity um, and, and the festival in, in a way is, is here to, to showcase uh, the result of all that, that work that people have been doing when we thought that everyone was just watching Netflix and going, you know, slightly bananas. <laughs> Yeah, the way people have adapted in order to create has been really just wonderful to see. Talk to me about the world programme then. Very strong again this year. We have Minari. I'm seeing so many people talk about this on social media. What's that about? So Minari is a, a really, really special film. Um, it was premiered in Sundance, uh, well, a year ago now, and it won lots of awards there. It's by... Uh, a kind of emerging Korean director. Uh, it's produced by Didi Gardner, who works with Brad Pitt in Plan B. It, sta it stars uh, Stephen Yun as uh, a, a father who really wants to do the best for his family. And they go to a small town in Arkansas and try to set up a farm. And the closest that I can 
kind of compare it to is the Grapes of Wrath. I mean, it's about a family trying to survive. And there's a fantastic Korean grandmother who kind of causes chaos and provides support in equal measures. But it has a huge heart. Um, and, you know, in terms of, of films that, you know, again, drive you back to recognizing the value of family um, and aren't ashamed of those kind of melodramatic kind of sentimentality. Um, and it really, again, I'm going to sound like a complete wuss, but it did leave me in tears. And I think I, I, I love this film and I think it's going to do really well in the Oscars as well. I think it actually has that kind of connection and that optimism which we need and we probably want from cinemas. You know, we're, we're all very familiar with the franchises and the superheroes, but it's really about people that we can relate to and their struggles and their achievements that probably kind of resonate even more. I love that grannies are just the same across cultures causing absolutely, absolute mayhem. I love it. Um, plenty of documentaries on offer as well. One for the cinephiles has to be Kubrick by Kubrick. Uh, Stanley Kubrick obviously famously very reclusive didn't give many interviews but there was one journalist he opened up to and this documentary is built around those conversations yeah I mean I feel like Kubrick is one of the great names of cinema that we've all read as much as we've seen we know all the different stories you know about the making of The Shining or what it was actually you know like to be part of the full metal jacket experience but I'd never heard him speak. And, and this interview with Michel Simon, um, I mean, a lot of times French you know, critics have championed certain directors and they've definitely been given kind of wonderful access uh, to, to the, the kind of big names in world cinema. And so it felt like a real discovery to actually hear these kind of, you know, previously unknown recordings and to hear him speaking with such passion about his about his films. And also his speaking voice has a fantastic texture to it. I mean, I don't know what I thought I, I, I expected him to sound like, um, but again, it feels like a kind of masterclass. But you're right. I mean, in, in a way, you know, festivals are as much about you know, the films that we're screening uh, as much as listening to the filmmakers talking about their work. And we're, we're lucky that we've lots of Q&As um, with filmmakers and we've got introductions. Um, we have a lovely film from 1924 called Paris Kidor. And we're lucky that Serge Bromberg, one of the great silent cinema experts, will be introducing it. And it it's, feels like an opportunity for people to kind of go back and rediscover certain films, you know, maybe with new insights and, and new knowledge. Um, and the other side to that, I suppose, is, is the idea that, you know, we're, we're part of a, of, a, of a broader world. And one of the things that's interesting about being online is, is that you can connect in with filmmakers from all over the world. Um, there's a great documentary that we're showing called Underplayed, which is about the electronic dance music, you know, phenomenon and, and some of the great DJs involved. And they brilliant speakers and, and passionate advocates for, for being, you know, uh, follow your dream and, and the idea that, you know, you can watch something or you can hear music and it can inspire you. And I suppose in, in a sense, I'm really intrigued about that real quality, real people talking about their passions and, and that the festival can tap into lots of different worlds uh, rather than, as I said, necessarily just being in one particular kind of fictional uh, you know, uh, representation, but we've got, you know, as I said, real people talking about their passions and their dreams as much as we have characters. I never had seen a female DJ at the clubs ever. Nada, hardly any women. 
Maybe I should have posted more pictures of me in the studio so people know I am actually here doing all the work. I don't like to talk about it a lot, but there is definitely sexism in the music industry. It's almost like this hush-hush, taboo subject. So many people doubted me. Oh, Toki Monster, she didn't even make that. Her boyfriend made it. Oh, you guys just boost her up because she's a girl. It's not just shit mix, it's you should kill yourself. And this is the stuff we get. But I'm a tough girl. <laughs> and it really just put fuel into the fire. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think it's fair to say, given the news cycle of the past kind of year, year and a half, there's an appetite among people for their media to kind of do more for them, to challenge them, kind of give them something to digest. Are there any movies from this year's programme that you think will give viewers that challenge? I think there's a couple that I would probably highlight. I mean, um, we work with the ICCL and the Irish Council for Civil Liberties, and there's a couple of films in there, that particular selection this year that I think will, you know, are very interesting in the in the worlds that they are are investigating. Paul Rice has made a, a lovely documentary called uh, "A Worm in the Heart," um, which is about contemporary Russia, but it is viewed through himself and his partner traveling on the Trans-Siberian Railway and stopping off to meet the LGBT uh, organizations that are obviously under extreme pressure trying to support the community um, in contemporary Russia. Um, there's a film called The Father. It's a Serbian film about a young father whose children are taken away from him and the fight that he has to try and get the authorities to, to give them back. Um, the Reason I Jump is a beautiful documentary. Um, it's about... I think it's about five or seven individuals who, who are, um, uh, you know, they, they have autism and the film takes you inside that experience and tries to, in some way, give uh, a, a kind of visibility or sensibility to that world. By contrast, then, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this who are looking for a good comfort watch. Are there any films that you can pick out that are basically just the cinematic equivalent of a big hog, because I'm sure there are a lot of people that need that right now. Wow, Philip. I'm trying to think of the big hog films that we have. Well, I'm going to go with Supernova and Minari, but we've already talked about them. There's a beautiful American indie film called Cowboys, which, uh, which stars Steve Zane, um, who himself and his uh, daughter sort of travel out uh, over the mountains into Canada. And we have a fantastic documentary on Tina Turner, which I just think is one of the most inspirational characters and, and performers. And it's a, 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 you know, a film that you know, charts her early years with, with Ike 
and Tina phase and then takes you into the kind of global stardom that she experienced. And um, really, I think when she, she hit her mid-40s. So for anyone who kind of is sitting at home, kind of watching something going, well, what will I do? Or, you know, will I change my job? Will I change my life? It's really inspirational. And again, it's, it's filled with the wonderful songs that we, we love of hers as well. My to watch list is getting longer and longer as this conversation goes on. I love it. Your In Conversation series is back then as well, chaired once again by actor and screenwriter Mark O'Halloran, who people will know from Adam and Paul. This year, you've gotten an exclusive with Oscar winner Steve McQueen. Tell us about getting Steve involved. Well, it's interesting, actually. I mean, Mark, Mark is a wonderful friend of the festival and he did a fantastic Q&A last year um, with Charlie Kaufman. And I, I love those conversations of kind of peers. And I love the, the way in which if you can give them kind of space and time, you can draw out uh, a filmmaker's kind of, uh, you know, desires and, and, and obsessions. And Steve McQueen, I'm a huge fan. Um, Hunger, um, Shame. Uh, obviously, he did Widows and most recently Small Axe, the series for the BBC. And uh, it was actually through a board member, Paula Woods, uh, we were talking about people who we felt would would be interested in this kind of long form interview. And uh, when we extended the invitation, Steve said, yes, so we're, we're really honored because I, I think, you know, he ranges, as I said, across small screen he's, uh, and, and cinema. He's also you know, an acclaimed visual artist and he speaks with such passion about his process and his his interests and, and the, you know, the, the ongoing debates in relation to, you know, representation and, and, and I suppose the power of the image. If you see Small Acts, it's a wonderful, wonderful piece about, you know, a, a possibly previously unrealized and um, a part of the British community. And, and I think that kind of interest in community and in the power of storytelling is really interesting for, for Irish audiences and hopefully beyond that as part of the festival. You mentioned it briefly at the start, but I suppose with the programme moving online this year with the global pandemic, I do want to know just how much of an extra challenge it was between the screenings and the workshops. Like this must have been a huge feat to get everything we know and love about the festival and bring it virtually to have everyone access it. Well, thank you for saying that, Fanula, but I don't know if I actually did realise how much of a stress it was until we did it, because we were actually still hoping to do a hybrid event until the middle of January. Um, mm. We genuinely, we planned drive-ins, we had cinema screenings, we had outdoor screenings, and the online element was there, obviously, is something we aspired to, and we wanted to connect in with the kind of national audience that you can with an online event. But it was only when you realize that it's just not possible with lockdown and you know, current restrictions that we had to move. So there were lots of late nights and endless conversations. But what I'm really honored about, and I mean that honor is the right word, is the amount of filmmakers who said, yes, we want to stay in the festival. We want to screen in Dublin. We understand the importance of the festival. We, we you know, admire that you are trying to put an event on that reflects the kind of diverse world cinema and celebration of new talent. Um, and from that point of view, it was relatively easy. I mean, there's a technical side to it that just blows my mind. Um, you know, there's all the different ways and the formats and the way in which win viewing it windows occur and timings. But it's been lovely to see, as I said, the different ways in which you can keep that kind of spirit. Um, the Q&As, as I mentioned earlier, with people talking about their films and sharing them. 
and, and the general excitement that you have around a, a, a festival. I've loads of people telling me that they've booked to see lots of different films and they were you know, really excited about finally catching up with something or again, the kind of uh, interest in, in new films. Um, a lot of the festival is around really giving a platform to cinema from around the world that we don't normally see and then comparing it with what we're very familiar with. So that part of it has stayed the same. Um, it's just moved on to people's couches. So, I mean, I'm saying to everyone, try and replicate it as close as possible. You know, make sure you pull down the curtains and you make sure there's no light coming in. And if you can, don't stop things and make tea, but watch them, you know, as if you were sitting uh, in a cinema, you know. Um, and again, the other side to it is, is there's a lovely opportunity for, for people, you know, without the stress of having to, you know, decide to go on a Tuesday night at seven o'clock that they can watch more. Um, and I'm hoping that that's part of the, the process that people with, you know, responsibilities or parking issues have all been removed, you know, so the impediments have, have hopefully lessened somewhat. Before we let you go, Grania, on that subject of couches and people not being able to get to cinemas, we've been blessed in a way during the pandemic that we've had such access to movies with streaming, with on-demand access. How difficult do you think it will be then getting people back into cinemas when some sense of normality returns? Well, I, for one, can't wait to be back in a cinema. I mean, for me, me it's, you know, it's been a lifelong love affair. I love going to the cinema. I actually really like the formality. I love the choosing of the actual seat. I love the actual sense of the lights going down. I love the sense of being part of an experience. I love the size. I love the actual way in which a story can overwhelm me, you know, and entice me in. Um, and so I feel like, you know, I really don't know if I can imagine a world beyond the next, you know, sort of few months where we won't be able to be back in cinemas. I think we've all had an opportunity over the last couple of months to, you know, maybe refine or to think about our taste. I think we'll definitely come back with a renewed and sense of the importance of going to the cinema. I think that filmmakers are quite happy to share their work, but there is a particular way in which watching it on a big screen means that it's an art form. You know, these films are shot with such care and attention to detail and casting, lighting, music, you know, is so important to that experience that I, I do think that when we are eventually allowed back in and we are hopefully you know, standing outside um, that we'll be as excited as we were. I don't think it'll become something where we kind of, you know, take it for granted like we possibly did before. Um, and I'm also very aware of the fact that there will be lots of new films to see. You know, I mean, you might see them here, but there's there was a fear, I think, Fanula, that there was going to be a big stop, you know, and that nothing would be made. But, you know, I keep hearing about lots of people who are back shooting and they're making their films and, and I'm sure that we will have some fantastic films to see when the cinemas reopen. Um, not least the Bond film, whenever it eventually <laughs> arrives. There are other films out there. Um, but I mean, I know that, you know, that, that conversation has been really interesting. The amount of people talking about how they can't wait to go back to the cinema, as opposed to us just thinking it was something that we did on a Friday or a Saturday night. But, you, you know, you have to take something away, I think, for people to realize it. Um, and also, you know, it, it, it's a very important social activity 
And I think that's one of the things that I think we'll try and uh, uh, work on this year for the festival. And we'll be doing watch parties and there'll be people connecting up. But it, it isn't the same as when you watch something and you come out and you talk about it immediately with that person. Or indeed, you see the filmmaker talking about it. And um, that's a particular kind of experience that I'm hoping that we, we will get back to fairly soon. Extremely well said. I also cannot wait to get back. Gronia Humphreys, Festival Director for the Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. For more information about this year's festival, log on to diff.ie. That's D-I-F-F dot On the next episode of Hooked On, we'll be chatting to writer, actor and composer Mark O'Halloran, who has written and starred in the likes of Adam and Paul for Lenny Abramson. Mark also recently picked up an IFTA for his screenplay for Rialto, which starred Tom Von Lawler. Mark O'Halloran will be in conversation with acclaimed director Steve McQueen, who has made 12 Years a Slave, Shame and Hunger. Here's a little bit from what you can expect from our conversation with Mark. And the producer, Johnny Spears, he was a friend of a friend of, uh, of he was a friend of the guy who ran the theatre, actually. And he said, do you have any stuff that you would have toward a, 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 a feature project? I threw him a page that I might as well have written on crayon, in crayon, on a, on a page about Adam and Paul. It's sunrise to sunrise. And I gave them a few sample scenes that I had written. And he hooked me up with Lenny Abrahamson and Lenny really liked what I was doing. And so Johnny, the producer said, well, why don't you write a script for us? We'll commission you to write a script. And I was like, how on earth do I write a screenplay? And you can hear more from our conversation with Marco Halloran in our next Hooked On. Before we go, a big thank you to Granny Humphreys for her time discussing some of the highlights from this year's Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival. This week's episode was produced by Gordon Hayden. I'm Fanula Jay, and I'm looking forward to chatting to you again very soon on the next Hooked On. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.